Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. If you have the time, you can not only listen to the episodes, but you can also watch all the shows and you'll find the links in the description below. Thank you. The Tim Hill Podcasts. Ordinary people's extraordinary stories. Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to have a chat with Virginia. So, Virginia... If you can tell me when and where you were born, if you can describe to me what it was like where you grew up, the schools you went to, and the education that you received. All right. Thank you so much for having me today. So I was actually born in Jerome, Idaho. My dad was in the Navy, so we moved around quite a bit. I was born January 8th, 1971, and from Idaho, we ended up moving to San Diego, California. That's where my dad was stationed at the base there. And from there, we moved around quite a bit. So from there, we ended up in Florida, uh, Green Cove Springs, Florida, and I'm supposing my dad was stationed at Jacksonville. I'm not sure exactly, but... Um, so we stayed in can, Florida for quite a few years. Can you remember crossing the country? How did you um, cross the country? Did you go by road? Did you go by train or did you fly? But it wasn't. No, we went by car. Yeah, we traveled. Um, my mom told me that when they were heading from California, I think, to Florida, they went through Death Valley. Um, I believe that's in Nevada. I may not yeah. be correct on that. Well, um, it's a bit warm there, isn't it? Yeah. You don't want to get stuck in Death Valley. That's a bad no. place to get stuck in. So, um, yeah, we ended up in Florida. We lived there for, I don't know, several years. I mean, the most it was like, I would say, three or four years maybe that we lived in one place at a time. So we ended up moving from Florida to Tennessee. And then uh, we ended up here in Maine because my dad was stationed at the Brunswick Naval Air Station, which has now since been shut down. Uh, That's been closed now. Um, And then uh, I think I was around, I don't know, 10 or 11 years old. My parents ended up getting a divorce. So uh, after their divorce, we ended up moving back down to Florida because my mom had family there and stuff. Um, That was actually a pretty traumatic time in my life. Um, I went through quite a bit of mental abuse, um, some physical um, at the hands of my mom. So I had a, and, you know, I want to try in saying all of this, I want to try to bring inspiration to people who are going through it. Um, My dad divorced my mom knowing what kind of person she was. So it was a very hard time for me. Um, I was actually in ballet when as probably, I don't know, probably around seven or eight years old. I went into ballet, (laughs) excuse me. And I I was a straight A student. I was doing really well in school. I love school. I had such a great time with it. Once the divorce happened, though, it's like my I felt like my whole entire world fell apart. Things just became uh, very unsettled, you know, not really knowing what I was supposed to do, who I'm supposed to be. And I blame myself, actually, for the divorce, because a lot of kids do. They blame themselves. You know, why, you know, it wasn't me who caused this, you know, and all this stuff. (laughs) Um, And so for quite a few years, 
you know, I would say even up to the time I got married, I was married at 18. Um, my husband, and I actually met at a youth roller skating um, event. And so we met there. And before that, actually, we had a summer camp that we would always go to. And I saw him at the summer camp, not realizing that he actually went to my church at the time. And so um, through the help of the Lord and through my husband and other people in my life, I was able to overcome. Now, when I say overcome, I was able to see myself as someone who had a purpose. Does that mean that I am completely healed of it? Unfortunately, no. Um, I still struggle with it today a little bit because my mom... Now, every girl would love to be like their mother or they that's what it should be. I never wanted to be like my mom. I, I pray. I even prayed to the Lord. I would never be like her. Hmm. And I was actually praying that a few days ago because of something that happened. And every once in a while, something will stir up, you know, a memory or, you know, something like that. And um, so. At 18, I ended up getting married. We got married October 21st of 1989. So we'll be celebrating our 33rd anniversary. So it's, <laughs> and that's actually an accomplishment today <laughs> to actually it be is. married that long. Um, anyway, anyway. So my, this, my husband. This, this story is going to be over very, very quickly at <laughs> this rate. So. Um, right, let's 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 wind the clock back. Let's let's take you back to because um, you was you was knocking around, you was moving mm-hmm. around quite a bit mm-hmm. at a right. young age. So when you got got to Florida, can you can you remember driving from from California to Florida? I can't really because I was really little, but I do remember uh, living in Green Cove Springs. It was like in the country. We're in a trailer. I remember little things about it. Like um, we had a screened in porch. And so uh, a lot of times in the morning, there would be these lizards that would come on the porch. (laughs) And and so we just watched them scurrying all over. You know, we used to raise rabbits. My dad was raising rabbits and stuff. And I apologize wrapping all this up. I'm trying to get through stuff. But um, yeah, and I actually love Florida because I love the South, actually. And I don't know how it is there, but in the Northeast, um, people are not very sociable in the Northeast (laughs) and we're kind of the California of the East. That's the way people, you know, that's the way people describe us. Um, Very liberal here. Um, My husband and I are rarity because we're very conservative minded. Um, So I love the South and the fact that it's, it's very hospitable. Um, People just, you know, they go out of their way to be, you know, to be friendly. And that's not how it is here. So I really do love the South. (laughs) But, you know, as a kid, I remember my dad, he, he raised rabbits and, um, you know, was it, it was a table or just as pets? Um, 
I don't know, actually. I, I'm supposing it was for food because we had quite a few. So I, I think it was. And, um, you know, I just remember, you know, little snippets of things like that. Um, we used to have like this doom buggy thing and my dad would take us on rides around it, you know. So I do have some really good memories of some things. And that's the things I hold on to. You know, I, I really do like it. But I love the South, though. My husband and I actually took our youngest daughter and we homeschooled we homeschooled both of our kids so for each of their graduations we gave them a trip we told them they could go anywhere they wanted to go my oldest daughter chose new york city my youngest daughter chose to go down to florida to swim with the manatees and mm -hmm. she actually did that she and my husband i tried but i'm not a i'm not a swimmer so i'm like i got as far as getting the scuba diving suit on and then i kind of panicked so i'm like okay i'll just watch oh, okay. But, um, yeah, they were able to swim with the manatees and, you know, that's the kind of experience. It's a once in a lifetime thing. I mean, yeah. she'll remember that for the rest of her life. And it was really amazing. And just being able to see them, you know, from the boat was yeah. pretty cool. But one actually swam underneath my husband and they grow to be about 10 to 12 feet long. So, and, you know, they weigh, yeah. I don't know, a thousand pounds or something, you know, so they're really yeah. big they're animals. Big old beasts, aren't they? Yeah. So, yeah. anyway, so you're back <laughs> down in Florida. Mm -hmm. So can you remember going to kindergarten down there or, or your sort of your middle school? Um, goodness, wow. I think it may have been kindergarten. I do remember in Tennessee me being in kindergarten. I definitely remember that. Um, and I, I, there's one memory that comes to my mind. It's so weird, but I was on, you know, one of those, um, trolley, I don't know what you call it. It's like a, a seesaw kind of horse thing anyway. Mm -hmm. And I was sitting on one of those and I actually got bit by a spider. I remember that clearly. <laughs> and so I remember having to go to the hospital and all that stuff. I mean, little things like that. Um, I had Scarlettina. It was, a, it was like a black and yellow. Yeah. It was probably, I don't know, like that big around oh, big yeah <laughs> yeah they had big ones down in tennessee yeah. and florida yeah there's a lot of stuff down there lot <laughs> where it's like, hot it's a bit like australia there's things that want to bite and eat you in there yeah right yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah we actually just watched a movie uh a tv show about uh florida and they're having a problem with boa constrictors down there they're, you know, three or 400 pounds. They grow to about 30 feet long. So, yeah, we have stuff like that in Florida and Tennessee. Yeah. They have, you know, like uh, cotton mouths. They have rattlers, you know, so that warm climate. I don't know how yeah. England is, but yeah. <laughs> well, we, we don't have anything that, that sort of will bite and eat you per se, unless it's yeah. been sort of escaped from somewhere. Mm -hmm. But, so but I, I really love school. Anything like that. Yeah, I really loved school when I was, uh, you know, when I was little. And like mm. I said, I, you know, I was in ballet and, you know, I, I loved it. And, you know, now as an adult, you know, sometimes you go through school and, and you know, we'll 
for history, for example, you know, you have all these dates and these people and all this stuff, and it's just a bunch of dates and times and stuff, (laughs) you know, but now as an adult, I absolutely love history. I love to go back and study and I've always loved learning. That's one thing I never lost. I oh, I love to learn things. So yeah. So what what period of history captures your um, imagination? My favorite is actually the Regency. I absolutely love it. Jane Austen oh. and uh, King George, right, would be in there. I think, yeah. Um, late late seventeen, early eighteen. Yeah, that's my favorite. <laughs> ah, so, so you studied the Peninsula Wars then? Actually, no. I need to study that then. I guess no, <laughs> I've no. never actually heard of that. Actually, I haven't studied everything. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll have to study that's that right then. Right in the middle. I mean, <laughs> Well, of course, I, yeah. you're aware that we we had a little bit of a a tete a tete with uh, Napoleon Bonaparte, mm-hmm. old mm-hmm. nosy himself, and uh, right, yeah, Lord Wellington um, mm-hmm. gave him a little bit of a bloody nose on a few occasions. <laughs> uh, yeah. Think- I think and I, Nelson started it at Trafalgar. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I, I do love the fashion of the Regency. I've actually made several outfits. You can see one. Whoops. Yeah. You can see one back Behind there, it. you know. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I love the, you know, the, the study of the fashion and the uh, the etiquette of the Regency yeah. and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. My second... Part of history. I'll tell, you, I, 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 I tell you, I'll tell you a good series to watch if you can get it is the Sharp series. Sharp series. Okay, I'll have to keep that in mind. Yeah, yeah I've never seen yeah. it. Huh? Sean, Sean Bean he, he starred in it. It's, it's, I mean, it's predominantly an English. Um, oh, okay. It was written by Bernard Cornwall. And if, okay. If, if you huh. ever, I mean, he he describes what it was like in in that. Regency period. And, mm-hmm. uh, there's a kind of song that goes along with with the series. It's called uh, "Over the Hills and Far Away." Huh. Um, okay. Wow. So that's, cool. That's that's that's. You, I think you'd really enjoy that series mm-hmm. because it, they, it shows the fashion. It, mm-hmm. it shows the predominantly the Peninsula Wars, but mm-hmm. um, but what it was like in those sort of times is. Oh wow! Okay. Series. So there you go. Top tip. Well, I, I do love a series called Wives and Daughters. That's one of my favorite. I've that's like a BBC, I think, production. Mm. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Little Women, uh, mm-hmm. Pride and Prejudice. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, Sense and yes. Sensibility. <laughs> yeah, I know the sort of thing. Mm. Well, say the Shark series isn't isn't quite as romantic as that Mm -hmm. but it's 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 a very good series from okay awesome what it was like at that that time in history Mm -hmm. but there you go awesome (laughs) history is one of your favorites then yeah and the second part uh, the second um i don't know era or time of history i think would during you know around the 1800s you know the late 1700s 1800s here in the United States when the founding of our nation and I actually want to do a series on the founding mothers of our country and I just I think that's such an awesome part of history the what founding fathers but the well, my my husband's actually going to do um, because he just actually joined me as co-host for our podcast, so he's going to be doing a series on the founding fathers. Ah, 
yeah. Because I, I guess that story is really, really well known because mm-hmm. that's, that's taught from a very early age, isn't it, about the founding fathers. But, and, you uh, know, the the point beyond, I want to bring out is we're actually trying to erase that in our country, which is really sad. <laughs> yeah. They're trying to actually erase our history in this nation. Yeah, and They're trying, they're trying yeah. to change ours as well. Mm-hmm. Right. There's an awful lot more of our history to try and erase than yours. <laughs> oh, really? Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's but sad. <laughs> you know what they say, behind, behind every great man, there's a great woman. And I, you know, I think of women like Abigail Adams, who, you know, the, the pen is mightier than the sword, really. Mm. And so many letters she wrote to her husband. And yeah, I and I don't. I don't know everything, so I need to go and research. But, yeah, I just there's such strength there, you know, when you think about how many and it's not just women, women and men, both, you know, how many things they did, you know, in in our country and, you know, how much courage they had. You know, that's what inspires me is is that courage, you know, that they were yeah. able to have. And, you know, yeah, it's definitely. And then, and then you get somebody like Calamity Jane. <laughs> I mean, look what she did for the West. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think she might be a fictional character, actually. Mm. But, um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so anyway, we strayed off a little bit. Um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> trying to get back on. Let, let's 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 let, let's try and explore a little bit of your middle school. Where did you go to middle school? Uh, middle school, I was actually in Tennessee. So I we stayed there for yeah three or four years. Um, yeah, I don't. I mean, I have a few memories of middle school. Uh, we actually walked to school. Um, the middle school was. I don't know, quarter of a mile from our house. So we actually walked back and forth to school, which I actually enjoyed. I enjoyed. Mm. And, you know, during that time, you could walk to school. You didn't have any fear that, you know, somebody Mm. would harm you. And, you know, we never even thought about things like that back then, you know. Now I wouldn't have let our kids walk to school, but. (laughs) Yeah. So, um what was your favorite subject at that school? Oh goodness, well. Told you I would have to brains. I would have to say again, like history. Um, I love biology. I thought that was really fun. I liked learning things like that. Science. I don't know if I'm trying to remember if that was taught in middle school or high school. I don't know. I don't remember. But I guess you touch on it. You know, I do like science though. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I enjoy learning. Like I said, I love to learn. <laughs> yeah. So was it a big school, your middle school in Tennessee? Um, was it, it wasn't was huge. I, I say, you know, it's probably, oh, there might have been a hundred students maybe in that school. Yeah, it, it wasn't a really, really big school. The biggest school I've ever been to was actually Inglewood in Jacksonville, Florida. That was probably, I would say that was over a thousand students, maybe even 2000 students in that school. It was, it was pretty big. Um, but the middle school, it, it was maybe a hundred students. Yeah. 
it was a small town because yeah. um, my dad was actually stationed in Memphis. So we lived in a town called Munford, which was, I don't know, probably a half an hour, 45 minutes, maybe. I'm not positive on that. So, <laughs> but it, it wasn't very far from there, I don't think. Um, while we were in Tennessee, we actually did, we didn't go in his house, but we actually saw Elvis Presley's house. That was pretty cool. Oh, Graceland, eh? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and did you ever get to go to the Grand Old Opry? I never did. No. no. That would have been cool, though. <laughs> mm. But I never so, did get to go. So we influenced at all by the, the 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 music around Memphis at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little. I mean, I I think as a kid though, I remember you know laying in bed at night, actually listening to baseball games. I oh. really liked baseball. <laughs> no, I don't know everything about baseball, so I am not. <laughs> but you know, I just I don't know. I just remember you know listening to that i just thought it was fun listening to it <laughs> that's something i did that's a, a strange thing for a young lady to be listening to <laughs> <laughs> i still like i i still like baseball a little bit and i don't know all the ins and outs of it but mm. um i would like to go to a red Sox game i think it'd be really fun here we have um oh what is the name of the team i can't think of it Oh, I can't think of it now. But anyway, I'd like to go to a Red Sox game. That would be really fun. <laughs> Sounds like fun. So, I mean, it's a bit like rounders, isn't it? Baseball. You know, you've got somebody throws the ball at somebody and they've got to hit it with a bat. Mm-hmm. And then and then once they've hit it with a bat, they, they've got to run round. Right, yeah, to the different bases and stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I kind of understand <laughs> it. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot more to understand, really. <laughs> so what is equivalent to that? Would it be is it called cricket? Is that what it's called or something like yeah, that? Yeah, I think I think cricket is about okay. where where baseball started from. Oh, okay. Okay. So that's, that's interesting. That's quite where they got the idea of mm-hmm. bat and ball. Uh, oh, okay. Cricket, well. cricket has been going for, for quite a few centuries now. Oh, okay. Uh, really wow. Henry VIII played it, so it goes back. Oh, wow. Mm. That is cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I've I've seen a couple of movies. Uh, one comes to mind, um, Chronicles of Narnia. <laughs> the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. That reminds yeah. me. They had that in there, I think, yeah. So that kind of reminds me of that. <laughs> so let's... Uh... Let's move on then. Let's 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 look at your high school or junior high school. Which did you have? Did you have was it middle school, junior? Yeah. Yeah. So um yeah, we were in Florida then and then um we had moved back to Maine because of my mom's health. So I went to a high school, I went to Inglewood in Jacksonville for several years. And that was uh, you know, I think the middle school is is really where my um, 
my problems started. Um, and then, you know, high school was really tough at that point. I didn't like school anymore. And I, I mean, I, I think I still held on to that love of learning always, mm. but I had a lot of issues going on at home. Um, and I don't, you know, in saying all this, I don't want to bring ne- negativity to your podcast or anything, but, you know, I want to let listeners know, you know, a lot of young people go through things and there are times when people don't really pay attention to what we're going through. And as a young person, um, I was actually going to a Baptist church uh, when I was in Tennessee and it started there in Tennessee, the problems. My dad was gone for six months at a time. So my mom was having to raise two kids on her own, my brother and I. And, you know, the, there were some abuse going on in the home. And I think that my pastor maybe knew about it, but a lot of people just don't want to get involved. They feel like they don't want to be bothered with it or they it's it's not something they want to get involved with. And I remember, you know, really having one I do remember specifically um the pastor that I had, he actually taught at the middle school that was there and I think it was I think he taught English or something. And I actually broke down in his class and I had an anxiety attack and I just broke down, but I don't ever remember him coming to my home to inquire about why I don't ever remember him coming to my house, you know, asking or wanting to get involved, wanting to see what was going on. So during my high school years, um, I had tried to commit suicide twice, um, had a really hard time with depression. Yeah, so you weren't very successful at that. No. (laughs) Thankfully, you know. I mean, the pastor, in England, I mean, we don't have pastors as such, we have vicars. Mm-hmm. And that's part of their remit to get involved. If 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 mm-hmm. they see something that's that's not right, if they see mm-hmm. any any sort of child abuse or something, mm-hmm. it's it's their duty to to mm-hmm. to, to right. challenge it. And, yeah, uh, and I guess it's the same for a pastor. But if if he if he didn't have the uh, the wherewithal to challenge it, then he's not mm-hmm. a particularly good pastor to start with. Right, right. And, you know, I do feel like that there were plenty of opportunities for him to realize something was going on. Um, But, you know, a lot of times abuse isn't always what we think it is. I mean, like in my situation, and I actually had this with my oldest daughter who went through a really abusive time in her first marriage we don't always see it. It doesn't, it's not always out there in the forefront. And so a lot of times people miss that. Um, there, you know, there were some red flags that should have been noticed. Um, but like I said, you know, a lot of people, they just don't want to get involved. You know, they don't want to be bothered by it. And so that kind of gave me a sense of hopelessness in a way. Um, But it wasn't until I met my husband and he really helped me to change my way of thinking because, you know, I was really told that, you know, I wasn't good enough. 
Um, I would never be loved by anybody. You know, I wasn't, I didn't have a purpose. And when I met the Lord, I give God all the glory really, because when I met the Lord, my mind was changed and God was able to help me see that I am a person with a purpose. Everybody on this earth has a purpose. Everyone on this earth has a reason why they're, they've been created, why they've been born. And, and it's so important that people understand that. And if you, you know, if you do even have an inclination that something might be happening it is really, like you said, our duty to step in and say, look, mm-hmm. you know, you need to get help or or try to get someone who can help that person. Um, but once I, you know, I was in high school, I had a lot of, you know, things going on. I left home at 16 because I was tired of the abuse. I had people around me who were supporting me. And I actually lived with a few people after that. Um, I did quit high school, public school and I ended up going to a Christian school and I graduated in 1989 valedictorian. Now, when I say valedictorian, um, there were only three students in my graduating class. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't a very big school. school <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did graduate valedictorian and then about six months later, I got married <laughs> So I was engaged during high school at the Christian school. And then two years later, our oldest daughter was born. So she was born in 19, yeah, 91. 91. <laughs> there we go. 91. And then in 97, we had our second daughter. So, yeah. And actually to go along with that, um, it was actually a miracle that I, I have so many stories of how God has worked in my life. Mm. Um, I only have one ovary. So I was born with only one and the doctors were actually amazed that I was able to get pregnant at all. And so in 91, I gave birth to our, our first daughter. And then for six years, we tried for another child and our second daughter was conceived and, we were doing an ultrasound and she had down syndrome. And, um, so my husband and I, we went to the church that night and we prayed. And before that, the nurse who did the ultrasound was ready to schedule me for an abortion. And I told her, no, I said, if God has given us this child, which I believe he has, then he knows that we can take care of her no matter what. And so we did go and pray and we, we prayed that, you know, if this was God's will, then I know that he would equip us as parents to raise her. Um, but if he was willing to heal us, you know, and I do believe in God's healing that, you know, we prayed for that healing of her. So we had another ultrasound and on the first ultrasound, you could clearly see she had Down syndrome. It was definite. Um, we had another ultrasound and the Lord healed her of it. And she is an absolutely beautiful, uh, almost 25 year old <laughs> girl today. So, <laughs> yeah. So my, my daughters will be 31 and 25. <laughs> Good grief. And uh, I mean, so, so she's got no downs, uh, any symptoms whatsoever? No, not any wow. at all. No. 
No, she is very thriving. She has a great job and she is soon to be married. And so, yeah, yeah, she is absolutely amazing. Both my daughters are amazing. And, you know, my husband is an amazing man. You know, he has got such a heart for the Lord and he has helped me in so many ways. And like I said, we're celebrating our 33rd anniversary of marriage and God has brought us through quite a bit. <laughs> so you'd have, been out, you'd have been out a long time ago, had you thought. <laughs> <laughs> We've, we're, we're even without good behaviour, they've been out a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, right. So, married at eighteen. Did you? Did you? When when you graduated high school, you clearly didn't go to to university of any sort. No, no. University of life. Right. Um, yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> so, what was your first job? How did you support yourself? Oh goodness. <laughs> Um, I actually worked at like a retail store for quite a few years. It was several years and um, worked through most of my pregnancy um, with my first daughter. And we had made it up in our minds pretty early that once we had children, I wasn't going to work. And that was something we chose to do. Um when my daughter, when my first daughter got a little bit older, she was probably, I don't know, uh, four or five years old. I did work for a little bit and I had her in daycare, but I realized pretty early that I didn't want to do that. I didn't really want someone else raising my daughter. Mm-hmm. And so um, I chose to stay home and raise our kids and we ended up homeschooling them. And yeah, it was something we, we definitely chose to do to raise our own kids. And we didn't want our children in a daycare with, you know, somebody else raising our kids. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. <laughs> so let's, let's, let's explore that a little bit and homeschooling. I mean, how were you qualified to be able to do homeschooling? Because you didn't go to university, so right. you didn't get any sort of teaching qualification. No, I didn't. So, 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 how does the law stand on that to start with? Um, well, here in Maine, uh, you do have to register with the state or you have to register with some school. So we went through a Christian school um, to be able to because you have to bring like once a year, you have to bring proof that you're progressing in your in your schoolwork and things like that. Um, no, I didn't have college and. I would say to any homeschoolers out there who are considering homeschool, you know, college is great. And that's, you know, if that's something you want to do. But a lot of times I think, yes, we do need to focus on the academics, but it's also really important to focus on life skills. We have a lot of young people that are being, that are growing up now that honestly don't have the life skills to be able to and now I'm not perfect at the financial part of things my husband (laughs) is the finances guy but you know they need to know how to you know write out a check balance a budget they need to know how to you know make appointments to get your car fixed or and a lot of young people don't know how to do those things Mm. so 
with homeschooling, no, I didn't have a college degree, but I had a heart to know that I wanted to teach my kids life skills and I wanted to teach them how to read. I wanted to teach them how to think for themselves. My daughters are both great readers. Um, My oldest is more so into reading than my youngest. Um, But by the time my oldest was six or seven years old, I mean, she was reading well above her, her reading level. Mm -hmm. Um, My youngest daughter, she started reading around... I'd say eight or nine years old. And I got a little bit of flack from that because my family wasn't for me homeschooling. Um, And when my youngest wasn't reading off, you know, at six years of age, you know, they kind of got on to me about that. But I told them, you know, every kid learns differently. My children are hands-on learning. They, that's how they learn. They like to learn by doing. Um, I'm a hands-on learner. And so, you know, simple things, for instance, baking cookies, you can do science, you can do math, you can do all kinds of home skills, you know, life skills, mm-hmm. teaching them just by baking them cookies. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there there's so many different ways you can teach and not have to have a college degree. Um, we would take them on field trips and, you know, say to an aquarium or something, or um, when we went to uh, Florida, we went through Virginia, we went to a historical um like park and and so they're learning history and by that time she was graduated from homeschool but Mm. um you know we would take them on field trips and we would have open discussions about different things politics even you know talking about well what do you think about this or that you know and it causes them to really stop and consider what do i think about things Mm. and so both of our daughters are very deep thinkers They really, you know, they know how to analyze things and they know how to go about doing different things. So Mm. homeschooling is definitely, I would definitely do it again. (laughs) So how did you go about putting the curriculum together? Um, Did did, did, did you you have to go to, uh, say you said you got a church school, did you you get... Did you follow their kind of curriculum? Did, mm-hmm. did you have set hours during the day for, for different lessons? Or did you spend a whole day maybe in the kitchen doing, mm-hmm. the, the, say, the science, the reading, the maths? Right. Like just to cook dinner? Um, um, or, or we, how did you go about that side of it all? We did use some textbook. Um, we had, for the Bible, we did Bible learning and stuff like that. We had paces, so it's like, uh, workbooks that you would go through. Um, we use some textbook for math and English. Um, even science, we would do videos um, on creation science. We'd watch different videos. Uh, we did a pray primer with the Laura Ingalls Wilder books. So we would go through and we'd learn about life skills and cooking and historical things that they would do and stuff like that. Um, and then we would, you know, we'd go outside and just observe nature. And usually, you know, we'd start around, you know, nine or 10 o'clock when they were little. Uh, when they got to be older, I would say probably, you know, 13, 14 years old. My daughters are night owls. 
So a lot of times they would sleep in and they would do their studies later in the day. So, you know, my daughters would be doing, you know, seven, eight o'clock at night, they'd be doing their studies. But at that point, I just allow them to do that because really with homeschooling, you have more freedom to adjust your hours and not really having a set time. For English, for their textbook studies, you know, I would have them do so many pages per day. Um, they would have to read uh, whatever book that they picked out of the library. They would have like an hour reading time. And then we would do a lot of narration. So that would help them to remember what they read. They would do a lot of book reports, um, things like that. Uh, we do a lot of hands-on. So if they had a science project, we would actually make something. Or for instance, when we were going through the Laura Ingalls Wilder books, we would actually make stuff. We'd do different experiments and things like that that would go along with the book. So you do have a lot of freedom to set your own hours. A lot of people, um, they do homeschooling in the summer and they take the winter off. Some people will do it in the winter and take the whole summer off. So you you do have a lot of freedom to be able mm. to set your own hours and, and pretty much do your own things. Um, we did have to bring some kind of progress report at the end of the year. Um, I think we had one at the beginning in the middle as well. And then they did have us do SATs. I chose not to because to me, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I feel like that it almost labels kids. It's, it puts them in a certain mm -hmm. category and in a, in a way, in some ways it sets them up for failure. And I didn't want to do that to my kids. Um, my kids, neither one of them went to college because we just couldn't afford it. It was not financially possible for us to go to send our kids to college. And college isn't for everyone. I feel like if you go and get a degree, it depends upon what field, I guess, you go in. But a lot of these kids now are getting these degrees and then they're finding no job when they get out of college. And they're they're accumulating hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt and they're starting out. And to me, we didn't want to have our kids start out that way on their own. It's just, it's just too yeah. overburdening. I think it's exactly the same over here as well. I mean, mm -hmm. kids nowadays are, are, are turning away from going to university and they're looking for more um, apprentice type Mm -hmm. schemes where right. where that that mm -hmm. where they can learn and earn at the same time so they right, right. with a, a massive amount of debt mm -hmm. they, they they finally sort of qualify or graduate right we actually just had a meeting at our american legion and the gentleman who is running for governor said that we need to bring back trade schools in our state Absolutely. because we're having a lot of young people who are leaving the state because of all these mandates that we've had over here um for instance, uh, we have nurses, and this one nurse told us this, that we're having nurses coming into the state of Maine from Texas, from California, and they're earning three times the amount 
that the nurses are earning here in the state of Maine. Um, we need to be able to keep people in this state. And because of the mandates and because of the what we are considered a welfare state. And so because of, for example, um, there are 55,000 men under the age of 29 who are out of work in just in the state of Maine. Mm. It's a really bad epidemic here. And we've got to keep young people here. We need to introduce, like you said, apprenticeship is a great thing because they can be earning while they're learning something, while they're learning a skill. Yeah, getting a trade. Mm -hmm. Right. I think, I think. We we had exactly the same problem over here where where they've been pushing that that mm-hmm. everybody needs to go and get a university education. Well, mm-hmm. everybody doesn't. I mean, years right. and years ago when I when I was going through sort, of, I didn't mm-hmm. really go through school, but uh, I joined the army at sixteen. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't. It, it was more apprenticeships back then, and mm-hmm. and university was was for the the odd grammar school kid that was bright enough to to want to go to university. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, uh, and and the average kids in sort of the big comprehensive schools, it wasn't something they did. They the, mm-hmm. they went on to doing apprenticeships. Right, right. Uh, and, and for some reason, uh, successive governments had decided that. Universities is the way forward because, uh, again, follow the money. It, it, it's right. money driven. I mean, right. Minimum, oh, yeah. Minimum now is £9,000 for the wow. first year. Wow. Uh, yeah. For, for well, I don't, I don't know what that would accu- would be to um, it's, it's US dollars. I don't know. About 13000 US dollars. Oh, wow. Okay. Year. Yeah. I wow. Mean, yeah, and that's just for that's for the course. That's not mm-hmm. living expenses or anything like that. That's, exactly they have, right. They have to pay the university mm-hmm. to 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 go on a course to start with. I mean, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, like for example, with our youngest daughter, she did look into an art school um, down in Southern Maine. By the time she would have graduated. From that school, with the school and the living expenses, it would be almost $200,000 that she would be strapped with. And we really discouraged her from going. Uh, There were several other reasons, but to have that kind of debt starting out in your life, that is crazy. And that's not including buying a house, having to buy a car. Food, you know, now our our heating here is it really expensive. I mean, yeah. Maine is one of the most expensive states to live in. Mm. It's very expensive to live here. Pretty much the same uh, in in the western rest western world. Mm-hmm. Um, it, right, everything's going astronomically. Right, so, yeah. <laughs> Well, that's why we actually started homesteading. Uh, We have a farm, uh, Barton Cottage Farm, and um, we started homesteading because the cost of everything is is going through the roof. And Mm. so we actually want to own our own food source. We want to raise our own food, which they're even trying to fight that. (laughs) So so did that come from the the Laura Ingalls thing uh, for uh, books? From Little House on the Prairie. 
Might I be. think so. Some of it. Yeah. Yeah. Or, I like the prairie, or, that prairie spirit, you know, yeah. <laughs> pioneer spirit. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know whether you saw it in America, but we had a, a, a program over here a few years back called The, the Good Life. Oh, and it was I've all never about, seen it. Huh. Um, a couple living in suburbia and, and trying to, to be self sufficient. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, I mean, this is back in the sort of, I guess, late seventies, early eighties that this program was on. Um, but it was quite amusing, and it was a, com- a comedy program. But mm-hmm. it was, it was just trying to be that green, sustainable right, type of yeah. life without, mm-hmm. and, and, and instead of having money, they barter stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we may have to get back to that bartering and. Mm. So I want to be able to to connect with a few farmers in my area and be able to contribute to the community. <clears throat> and that's that's one of the reasons for our homestead is because not only providing food for ourselves, but actually teaching how to provide food for yourself, mm. you know, so educating yeah. people and how to raise their own food is something that I would like to be able to do. So kind of an education center in a way. So yeah, <clears throat> I can see where you're coming from. That you know, you get you get young kids in, you bring them in, you're showing them how to to do all mm. this stuff, and it's like cheap labour. <laughs> yeah, method of the madness. I mean, right, that, that's a good idea. Yeah. So somebody said that um, give a man a fish and he'll eat for a day. Teach a man mm-hmm. to fish and absolutely fishing every day. <laughs> absolutely right, because a lot of people don't know where their food comes from. Yeah, and we really do need to know. And um, we actually have a situation right now where we're hoping it's not going to devastate our farm. Um, you know, talking about the green energy and and all this stuff. Um, this company actually there's three companies involved they scattered around farmers fields and they you know they asked them they and the farmers gave them permission not knowing what was in this um they were told it was organic um, but it's called PFAS and it's actually a chemical that's like in duct tape it's in carpets um uh the paper mills i think use it And it is very, we're finding out now that it's causing cancer and, and young men, it's, it's causing all kinds of health problems and it's been scattered over the fields and stuff for quite a few years. And Mm. if it is found in our soil, it could actually devastate our farm. So we're, (laughs) so, I mean, I'm for some green things, but, and I'm for organic, if it's truly organic. This, however, was not. But here in Maine, um, we're having a lot of these solar farms building up and uh, different things like that. They actually, if they come to your land and ask you if you want to build, you know, or have them build a solar farm, they will pay you $20,000 a month to have this solar farm on your land. Mm. I, my answer would be no, unless I had another place. I probably actually, my answer may be yes. And I just move out of Maine, (laughs) go somewhere warm. Um, But the reason why I say no is because the amount of 
money that you have to put into these solar farms, you're not getting back. No. It's it's a a huge expense. Unless unless you're down in you the know. southern states where you get mm-hmm. an awful lot of sunshine. Right. Um, yeah. In Here states, in Maine, that's not that's not it's a bit like us. I mean mm-hmm. on a on a day like today where we've got beautiful sunshine, mm-hmm. the, the solar's were working great. Mm-hmm. But on an overcast day, it doesn't produce any, any right, exactly. <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah. I mean, for your situation, if they find that you've got this stuff in the in the soil, then mm-hmm. it would be a no brainer mm-hmm. <laughs> to, right. to put some right. on there. Maybe and, that's what they've worked on in the first place. Mm-hmm. And they, I mean, they could come in and clear it, but they would actually have to take three feet of our topsoil in order to clean this up. Three feet of our land would be gone. So it's I don't know clay underneath I guess right yeah we do have a lot of clay soil where we are yeah it's Mm. yeah but who knows I don't know (laughs) (laughs) we're still gonna keep going until we find out but but it it does make it difficult yeah right yeah and there is actually a lawsuit um, that they're trying to come you know get together to come against these three different companies so yeah we'll see what happens but. Well, we're going to keep going. We're hoping to get goats uh, next month, actually. And we have our chickens and we have a huge garden. So who knows? <laughs> well, time will tell on that one. Right. And time, time and hard work. Right. <laughs> and that's, that's what I like about homesteading and about the pioneer spirit. You know, the hard work is what built our country. You know, and we're unfortunately with all this mandate stuff going on, um, like I mentioned, you know, 55,000 young men are, are out of work and it's not because there isn't work. It's because they're paid not to work. (laughs) So we need to get that pioneer spirit back. (laughs) Yeah. There's something definitely wrong when it's, it's more profitable not to work mm-hmm. than right. to go to yeah. work. I mean, they're, they're, the system's wrong there somewhere along mm-hmm. the line. If people are being paid not to go to work, right. there's something definitely wrong in the game. Right. And I, I love to be productive. I, I can't imagine not working. I mean, I have house cleaning jobs that I do right now. I, I have a podcast I do. So it's... I love working. I, I love being mm. able to do and feel like you're productive at the end of the day. You know, that, that brings Absolutely. A, a definite, you know, satisfying feeling to me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so Virginia, tell us um, about your podcast and, and how people can get hold of you. Okay. Podcast. So I have a podcast called the Vintage Cafe Podcast. Uh, started out a vintage lady and then I changed it, <laughs> changed the name of it. Um, it is now with my husband. My husband and I both host the show. And you can find me at www.thevintagecafepodcast.com. Brilliant. And what's it all about? Well, we have a variety of subjects. Um, Like I've already mentioned, we homestead. So we do subjects about homesteading. Um, We are starting on Mondays to have Bible topics. So we started out with the authority of the Bible and why we can know that it 
needs to be followed. And and it's definitely true with what it says. Um, I have a lot of great guests. I've had you on my podcast, which was awesome. (laughs) And um, I like to talk about history, um, you know, different people and events in history that we don't normally think of. So I kind of like to draw people out. Like I want to do one on Rosa Parks. I would love Mm -hmm. to do one on there. And I want to do some podcast episodes about the founding mothers of our country, um, Dolly Madison, Abigail Adams, you know, so those are just a couple that I'd like to do. And so it's kind of our variety of subjects, but we have much Monday, Wednesday, and Friday now that we do podcast episodes. Uh-huh. And that, <laughs> is that going out live or is that um, pre-recorded? Uh, pre-recorded. I haven't got to the place where I can do live yet. I would like to eventually. And right where we are, our internet is kind of wonky. So it works some <laughs> days, some days it doesn't. Um, but if we're ever able, and we are working on that as a town, we're trying to get better internet. Um, if we can get better internet, I would actually like to do a YouTube channel. So where we're mm-hmm. podcasting, we're going live. And yeah, that would be pretty awesome. I'd like to do that someday. It's fun. It's fun to do a live. I do a Thursday, Thursday live stream. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we, we, we have an awful lot of fun with that. Yeah, I love podcasting. I've met so many amazing people all over the world. It's just truly amazing. The stories that people mm-hmm. have to share. And yeah, I, I absolutely yeah. love it. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, Virginia, I've enjoyed that little chat. Yes, thank you so much for having me. No, you're most welcome. The Tim Hill Podcasts. Ordinary people's extraordinary stories. Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. If you have the time, you can not only listen to the episodes, but you can also watch all the shows and you'll find the links in the description below. Thank you.